Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're at in the universe. I'm sure it's morning somewhere. Just so you'll know, if you see me gesturing with my left hand and not my right hand, it's because I I slipped yesterday and hurt my, last night hurt my arm, so it's uh, sprained a little bit. So, the... Can everyone hear me? Raise your hand if you hear. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. So, Rumi can't hear me? Can you hear me, Rumi? Oh, good. Okay. So, the title of this morning's Dharma talk is Sangha Changes. So, community or the Buddhist community is called the Sangha for centuries, has been called that. It is uh, one of the three jewels. The Buddha is the uh, the jewel of the teacher, the Dharma is the jewel of the teaching, and the Sangha is the community, the jewel, many jewels there, one jewel and many jewels. So it's a, the idea of jewel is that it's valuable. It's a way of talking about it. And when I say Sangha changes, I'm saying it in a couple of different ways. One is uh, that it has changed tremendously tremendously from the time this uh, word or this idea of a Buddhist community first came about, which as far as we know is 2,500 years ago or thereabouts. The history of that is uh, not a particularly watertight, airtight, dirt tight, fire tight. Any kind of tightness is not particularly happening there, but we don't need it. We can actually look at the community that we have here and get a pretty good idea of how that may work. As a Sangha in the past, uh, and I'm not a historian, so I can't speak specifically, but I'm saying Sangha in the past, whether it's 40-some um, uh, years ago when I uh, first entered this kind of a community, or 2,500 years ago when this kind of community began to arise in various cultures, starting in India. We've gone through a lot of changes. And I'm not going to... For particularly trace those down for you. That's something you can read in the history of Buddhism, and there are lots of excellent books on that topic. So it's changed a lot. And uh, one of the things that happens, uh, one of the important things that happens is the cultural context within which uh, Buddhism, as it leaves the country that it has been nurtured in, India, and goes to uh, to China, uh, to Tibet, and so on, and to uh, Korea, Japan, uh, in, uh, come, coming into the West uh, a little over 100 years ago, uh, originally, uh, as an actual form. It wasn't that there weren't Buddhists living here. So you know, it goes through lots of different structures and changes. Then there's the, the closer uh, kind of Sangha, uh, the ordained Sangha, monks, and in ancient times, nuns which were part of the Buddhist community and the Buddhist uh, uh, teaching structure, learning structure, and so on. And this is done in so many different ways. Even today, if you went to um, and looked at the Sangha in uh, the Thich Nhat Hanh's community, or if you looked at uh, uh, Panlap Rinpoche's community, or or for that matter, Trungpa Rinpoche's community from, uh, 19, from 1970 when he arrived in this country, Quite a bit of contrast in the way that that functions. 
and here we are in this situation and it's still uh, changing and uh, uh, Buddhism coming into the West as a teaching of uh, the, th the three marks of existence, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, etc., uh, is going to show up differently because everything is dependently arisen. There is no solid separate entity anywhere, including the Buddha, including you and your children. Everything uh, that shows up goes away, vanishes, and it's it's ordinary. It's it's scary if there's a grasping at something. Then we don't want to let go of that tree limb because it's thirty feet to the ground. You could say. Uh, if one is realized, if there is a, a realization, then there may be a tree limb. There may be falling, but there's no ground. And if you think there is, <laughs> you're going to suffer and you're going to be frightened off and on. This is why I encourage you not to believe in Buddhism. It's not about belief in anything. It may be more about not believing, not disbelieving, and not ignoring, so that you can see the fundamental truth uh, beyond the relative grasping, rejection, and shutting down. Not easy. Necessary to train one's mind, starting with a very discontinuous um, uh, grasping and rejection that is happening in the mind all the time, 24-7. Having some difficulty here with my my uh, humorous, is that what it is, technically? So, so the whole idea of right and wrong is, is extra. It's not that there aren't some uh, teachings that use uh, the Buddha's Dharma as some kind of a support that seems to be some kind of a misunderstanding, or at least, at least not a thorough understanding of it. And I'm not here to take issue with anything. Uh, there are always going to be people dependently risen. There's always going to be students. There'll be students for everything. I'm sure if you look around the country today, there's followers for anything that shows up that has any kind of shininess to it, to it, to it, to it. And Buddhism is not a particularly, and the Sangha is not particularly, and the teaching is not particularly uh, about togetherness. You have to, in order to have a togetherness, there has to be separations. It's not that there aren't relative separations, but when there's clinging to the relative separations, then there's a need for togetherness, which is to end what? The loneliness. There's plenty of room when I uh, finish the other part of this uh, presentation to respond to questions. So I could go on, go further into that, or we could, we could ask questions about it. But the next uh, aspect or part that I want to talk about is the changes uh, in, in our community. Uh, this community has slowly been coming together uh, as, as, a, as a, a gathering of people. Um, uh, first within the, within the Vajradhatu, when I first became form, uh, started formally studying Buddhism with the uh, well, first of all, with Kadigari Roshi in uh, Minneapolis, and then with Trungpa Rinpoche and his uh, uh, Asanga and students and so on. And so I did my best to stay with that. And uh, Sangha is very important, very important. It may be of the three jewels, it may be the most important because without it, nothing happens. Even the Buddha was part of the Sangha. He was a member of the Sangha with no card. 
in our particular Sangha, which is now as of uh, the 18th of November, has now been established as the Order of Immediate Light, which has been happening. It's nothing new. It's just that rather than let that kind of uh, wiggle this way and wiggle that way, show up this way and start to go away that way or be in any kind of uh, um, uh, form that doesn't have uh, any designation to it, uh, it, it tends to, without this person uh, uh, protecting that, protecting this way of teaching, this way of presenting the Buddha's Dharma, this way of understanding the Buddha's Dharma, then uh, it, it comes in question because it's part of the, uh, as, as you know, I'm ordained and other monks that we have ordained, including the, the five new monks last uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, not that long ago, are uh, practicing within this particular way. Again, right and wrong are extra. Just, just, if this is uh, for you, then then uh, we're here. If it's not for you, then go do something else. As they say, kind of romantically, but there's something to it. Follow, follow your heart. You don't have to believe or disbelieve anything. You'll know. You'll know. If you have doubts about it, you might want to look at them for a while before you uh, run across the mountain. But doubts are just part, uh, a, an aspect of intelligence. They are not to be believed, disbelieved, nor disregarded. So in our particular situation, as some of you know already, uh, we, we're, the things that we do in our, as a Soto Zen, uh, part of the Soto Zen order, and also our lineage, and then an extension as the order of immediate light, we don't do things in the same way, the same forms that were done, uh, say, if you went to Tassajara or Green Gulch or some other uh, or, or Heiji, for that matter, which is mostly about lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of forms. Um, we do emphasize the sitting practice of meditation, shikantaza, sazen, however you want to characterize it. Very simple, sit down and observe. Very simple and radical kind of meditation, a minimalist kind of meditation. Not, not correct as opposed to maximalist or surfacey or more displayed and more dis displaying more forms, more complications, more elaborations. Not correct, incorrect. So there's that. Um, and we can, I can respond to more questions or if you have them. But the other thing I wanted to say is this particular Sangha, because of the technology, because of what everything from uh, to just being in the West to uh, the Vidyadara, showing up in the West and all of the other Tibetan uh, lamas and teachers uh, showing up here. And also uh, uh, Zen Buddhism, Chan Buddhism, uh, Theravadan Buddhism, and all the other different forms uh, uh, coming here and the different interpretations of those forms. And these are all necessary. So as some people are not going to study in the way I teach, not interested, as uh, I think Susan Piver told, oh, one person was asking about, well, what do you think about Sogazan? And I think she said, um, well, some people uh, really hate Sogazan, and then other people really love Sogazan. And then she said, I happen to love Sogazan. So this is, uh, I guess, uh, how she checked it out with Susan to see whether I was going to uh, be a charlatan or not, perhaps. So since this community is very, uh, in the sense of, uh, uh, it's old, but in another sense, it's new in terms of the forms. The forms are always changing. 
And uh, I'm not going to go into all three tenets, but the first tenet of this particular uh, order of immediate light is consciousness always finds its own form. And that's uh, something you can explain in a couple of sentences and something you will never be able to explain. Not two. Uh, so the community that's arising as far as uh, here we are on Zoom. Um, a year ago, there might be a few Zoom situations happening, but usually we would, we would be meeting in the monastery uh, and teaching there. And as some of you know, Bruce, uh, who's uh, on the screen here, Bruce Nelson, old friend of mine, Dharma brother, uh, comes in on Fridays and teaches uh, uh, a class uh, on whatever he wants to teach on Buddhism. So Bruce has also not been able to come in well, although he doesn't live too far away, he and his wife, Terry. So they've had to modify this to teach from uh, the Zoom situation. So there's a downside to it. We aren't seeing each other, but the upside is look at all the people we're getting together with here. Countless numbers of people that live um, not only uh, you know a few hundred miles away, but uh, around the other side of the earth. So different shape of the whole thing, uh, of the Sangha. And the thing that I emphasize about Sangha uh, was, was emphasized somewhat in other lineages that I practiced in or other teaching situations, learning situations, um, is Sangha is very, very important, might be the most important of the three jewels. And, and you know, you have to have all of them, but it, it's very, very important to, have to work with a community and to interact with your Dharma brother, uh, Dharma sister who's right next to you, studying with the same teacher the same teaching, and yet your understanding, your connection with that is much, much different. And I, I emphasize the word different, not better, not, not more clear, not less clear. And what I say uh, to people who decide to come this direction and ask me to function as their guide, helper, teacher, is pay attention to those three jewels. They don't have to, as far as I'm concerned, you never have to receive vows or precepts or become a monk. That's up to you. That's, that's your business, not mine. If you go that way, then I'm here to help you with it. And if you don't need to go that way, as those of you who have asked me about that, know that I stop you and say, don't do anything else you have to. If you don't have to do this, why do it? You can still study. So it's up to you how much glue you need. Less glue may be better. More glue may be better. That's your business. And, and I mean that literally. So maybe uh, maybe we could have some questions about about this topic, about Sangha, in any direction you want to go. I would Excuse me, I had a question about the Sangha and how that it's, it's just so different meeting with everyone virtually, even amongst the practice residents. Mm -hmm. Is it Does it require any different type of effort to continue working with the Sangha when we, it's so easy to stay distant from the Sangha, bowing. Yes, I would say the simple way to do it and the old fashioned way is just schedule yourself. Uh, you decide, possibly with the help of a teacher, but you could also say, I'm going to, I'm going to go to every Wednesday class uh, because it's uh, the Shobogenzo at noon. I'm going to do that and every uh, uh, e uh, Monday evening book study or something. And then just to uh, Make it, use the form to, so that you can get to those classes 
And as you've heard me say many times, and I'll say it over and over again, and I'll respond to this if you have questions about it, you do not have to understand what you're studying. This is not a university. Not that it might not be in a couple of years, could be, but you do not have to understand. This is not the conventional way of studying. If it is, then we're talking about who's smarter, who remembers more. We're starting to evaluate and give a, some kind of a hierarchy to the study situation that is not necessary. It's just a huge misunderstanding about the whole system of education in the West. Big misunderstanding. I'd be happy to respond to any questions you have around that, but you may not like my answer. So what is good? You need to study. You need to, if you're a student, especially if you're a student of mine, uh, you, need to, you need to study with others, not just your own book. But sometimes people will say, if I say, have you read Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism? They say, oh, yeah, I read that. And I says, what are the three, uh, what are the three uh, uh, lords of materialism? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Well, didn't read the book then. It's not that you have to remember that, but about all things you would, you would have some idea. You might even if you remembered one of them. It's in the introduction to that book. So quite often we read books by ourselves, and then we just assume because of our because of the education system and the way we've been trained, we just assume. Well, we read that book. Check that one off. Uh, whereas coming together with a sangha and studying that book. Time after we've been through cutting through spiritual materialism, countless, countless numbers of times since I began studying that as a group with other people in 1975. I couldn't even tell you what the three lords of materialism are. I couldn't pass a test on it. If you don't understand what that statement is, you should ask questions. Because it's not about information. It looks that way, and it looks that way initially. But fundamentally is not. If it were, then some of you would be doing better than others. Some of you would be better than others. Some of you would be scholars. And some of you would be kind of uh, dull people who probably shouldn't even study the Dharma. You all know what I'm talking about, how we evaluate. Quite often people, uh, it's called weeding out. People self-weed themselves out of studying because they think that the person next to them who is so brilliant and has all these concepts down and... Uh, and who can uh, speak Sanskrit or memorize it. I see the one person grinning there, Chisho, who, of course, speaks Sanskrit. But uh, that, I mean, Chisho isn't necessarily puffing himself up. I'm this great Sanskrit scholar. He just happens to have studied that. He's from India, and he studied that material. But someone else can be intimidated by that because they tend to measure themselves or com uh, uh, contrast themselves with others. This happens all over in the Sangha. This is a spiritual community. This is not a, a, a sorority or fraternity. It's, it's, it's not that it might not have show up in that way somewhat, but it is not evaluation in, in, in that relative sense. That doesn't mean you couldn't study this material uh, over and over and over again, which is a good idea. So um, I guess the, the other direction I was going to go a little bit was People who are very, who aren't particularly intellectual, don't have a, a good, shall we say, command of concepts and ideas and thinking and, and logic and all of that, don't, aren't gifted in that area, perhaps, or aren't uh, proficient in that area, but are extremely proficient uh, with intuition, their insight into the nature of things through the center of the concepts, without the concepts, without the oars of that particular boat 
uh, or see very, very clearly. And sometimes if that isn't acknowledged, then this person weeds themselves out and just thinks that, well, I, I can't understand uh, uh, meditation on emptiness. Or I, I can't understand uh, the, the Samdhini or Nirmachana Sutra, even with uh, the, the, the commentary on it. Uh, with the, the Lankavatara uh, Sutra also with the commentary, still very difficult to access that material. But we do it anyway. And that's what I'm saying. Just do it anyway. And if you do it as a community, and if you do it consistently and persistently, and uh, what's that other word? Repetitively. Uh, eventually, that which is necessary for you to understand so you can liberate yourself from this insane, crazy uh, six realms, human realm, before the before your body-mind complex goes back into the elements. So that's something that would really support you. And if you um, wish, you can continue to ask questions. Or Chazan, you can rephrase your, quest your question so I can answer it more accurately. Was that Chazan? Did you want to know more, Chazan? <laughs> Uh, I, I do, if you can hear me, Ruby's having a bit of a, a warning. I, I, don't, I don't mind, I can hear you, go I, ahead. I actually had a question about that. Yes. What is, what is, and this is kind of personal, but um, you know, we have a, a child in the Sangha now, and he did not choose to live in this monastery, so to what, what is his relationship to Sangha and his part of that community? Uh, Okay, he, he used to be included as much as possible uh, with respect to the forms and with respect to people's practice. So we don't we don't go overboard and take him into the into the zendo when other people are trying to meditate. So you wouldn't do that. On the other hand, if he shows up a little bit now and then with a little bit of racket, uh, it's just a middle way, a little bit, but not too much, a little bit. If that's what you're asking me about. I mean, everybody wants to see him, I mean, who lives at the monastery or knows him, but we don't need to overdose on him. That's your job as a parent. You're supposed to overdose on him. Good luck. <laughs> you already know that. It's a more specific question if you have it. Cheers, uh, I'm bowing. Just what is the balance between a, between a, a monastic and a... Um, Householder. That's what we're. That's what you're finding out. That's how you got yourself into this mess. I mean, that's what you're finding out. That's your inspiration to, uh, to be a, a monk. Uh, showed up many many years ago. Here you are, and we don't know how we're we're doing this together. That's why I often say to people, I'm not functioning as your guru. I'm functioning as uh, someone who can who has more experience who can help you and help us put this together using the the the, the model of the, the three jewels of Buddha, the Dharma, the teacher, the teaching, and the community. Using that, we'll, and then we need to interface with our uh, the community that we're in, um, Michigan, the West, United States, the whole construct here uh, and the way society shows up and and uh, changes and morphs it from this into that and this into that with all of the politics of experience. And so it's it's important to observe until and don't do anything unless you have to. And that way you'll observe it right up to the last second before it's time to do something. As you've heard me say many times, this is just another word for patience. Don't, don't, don't move based on hope and fear. Observe the hope and fear. 
Do not try to get rid of hope and fear or cover it up with solutions, conclusions, evacuations, uh, exclusions, or any other of those usions. Thank you. Teresa, go ahead. Teresa Bowling. Sometimes in book study, um, I can understand a little bit intuitively, like you mentioned, but I get really uh, afraid to form a question or make a statement. Um, how might I work with that, Bowling? Less is better. Just receive. You heard me talk about receiving and producing. Don't, pro don't produce unless you have to. This means you are watching dependent origination as it shows up in your own personal mind stream. You're no longer necessarily hooked by it, but you're, you're observing it. So if you just produce uh, when you see clearly, that means you've done a whole lot of receiving. This is why I sometimes talk about listen 90% of the time, talk 10. Unless you're me and I get to talk whenever I want to. But if you're functioning as a student, then then be a student. I also function as a student. It just may not look like it. But just receive. Just re If you're really receiving clearly, then you can produce out of that extreme clarity of no self, no other. It's a, it's a, a direct perception that is called, uh, in the yoga chara tradition, is called, uh, I don't know, what's it called, Shisho? Can't remember what that is. <laughs> Say so everything is perception only or, or consciousness only, or it shows up as subject object. And this is what we get hooked by that is, and is fueled by the hope for something better and the fear of something worse. And you, if you try to cover those up or uh, do some kind of approach, that's, that's spiritual materialism or pol political materialism, material materialism, psychological materialism. Don't grasp, don't reject and don't ignore. Simply put and extremely difficult to function in that way because of the self-centered, the hidden uh, agenda behind the screen and the Wizard of Oz is trying to pull the levers and push the buttons and uh, control the, the rolling hills. It's done with awareness, not with a thinking process. We need the thinking process. We need to think. We need to, need to think about uh, the five skandhas. We need to think about the Four Noble Truths and the Twelve Links. We need to think about that. But those are structures. That's like a boat, as has been the metaphor that's been used in the past, to get us across the river of samsara. But once, once, once you've once you've crossed, then you, you may need to carry boat plans around with you, but you don't need to build boats. Chisho. Yeah, a little slow this morning. Vijnapti matrata. Vijnapti matrata. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody should write that down. Hakaran <laughs> has a question in the chat box. Yes, please. How is the spiritual Sangha different from the greater Sangha of our friends, family, coworkers, and strangers? It, it's just a matter of, uh, the, uh, of a, a gap quality. There's a gap between you and your Dharma brothers. There's a gap between, and you know about it. You've told me about it. There's a gap between your, you and your Dharma brother, your Dharma sisters, between you and your teacher. It's about observing the gap, not closing it. Observe the gap. This is uh, depersonalized. This is called space. And depersonalized 
even more than that, th th there is no name for it. So that's how you do it. You have a, your father, uh, you know, whom I happen to know, of course, um, is the distance there is respect that distance. Always respect people's confusion. If you don't respect people, and I'm not saying he's confused, I'm not making a statement, I'm saying, but that gap, if you see the distance between you, the ego mind will turn that into confusion or misunderstanding, or he doesn't know as much as you do, and all of the other uh, soap operas that happen in uh, families. But just observe, if you observe the distance, then you will be able to see uh, the, the way in which that, that person is confused or the way in which they are clear, which is not, there's not that much difference between the two, unless you separate them. This is why uh, is in the tradition is sometimes called co-emergent. The wisdom, uh, confusion and wisdom arise together. They're co-emergent. They come out together. It's just a relative way of talking about something it's impossible to describe or explain, justify, validate, or excruciate, which is the other more challenging part of it. Yes, sir. Earlier, you said that the Sangha or the community is not about togetherness. Yes. If it's not about togetherness, then what is the community about? <clears throat> it's about togetherness. Keep coming, my brother. What is the togetherness of the Sangha? The togetherness of the, of the Sangha, if it's understood deeply, is say there isn't anyone else. That's the togetherness. There isn't anyone. Everywhere you look, you see a mirror. You don't actually see the mirror until you see the mirror. Before then, you just see that guy or your dad or your Dharma brother or your girlfriend or the monk sitting next to you. You just see that. And... Uh, Continue to practice, and eventually you won't see anything else. The elseness will be gone. It'll still be there. It'll still be manifest. It'll still be shiny. It'll still be dull. It'll still be moving. It'll still be uh, holding still, but it will not be separate any longer. Realize that. It's not a conclusion. It's not an exclusion, and it's not a, an ending. There is no end. I better watch my words. My son is listening to me, too. <laughs> Further questions, please. The harder, the better. Jun Shabowing. A question on YouTube from Marco in the Netherlands. Yes, Marco in the Netherlands. If you feel intimidated by a Sangha member, is it the feeling to look at? That's pretty good. Yeah, the, I would say if you feel intimidated, uh, you could, uh, when the feeling arises, it's uh, as Trungpa Rinpoche would say, first thought, best thought. And another way of saying that is just the texture, just the texture. Don't abandon what arises, the texture, the feeling quality, the almost impersonal uh, uh, sword sticking in your side for who's doing it Don't, or, or who's, who it's being done to. Adding the personhood or adding the otherhood or anyhood to that is extra and tends to cover up. It's, it's a very highly polished form of uh, ignorance. 
and, but, but it will keep you from your true nature for uh, centuries, lifetime after lifetime, by fighting with that, agreeing with that. Don't agree, don't disagree, don't shut down. Very simple algorithm. So, yes, I would say what you're saying is uh, the feeling, but that will be uh, more accessible, you could say, or understandable, or more have more texture to it the more you practice the sitting practice of meditation and sharpen that which sees uh, and not that necessarily that which thinks. We aren't in, at a war. We're at war with, with that which thinks or the thinking process. Of course, it needs to be included also. It's part of a dependent origination. It's, it is not separate uh, at all from Buddha nature. But when it's in, the, it's in the service of ego, then it tries to protect or tries to justify or tries to judge or tries to explain. The passion area, it goes into explanations and justifications or even blaming, blaming other, blaming oneself for not being able to feel this appropriately or not being able to understand what's happening with the intimidation uh, quality that you're describing with that word. So it's always about what? Awareness. Awareness always, consciousness always, uh, seeing, always smelling, all tasting, touching, all these always find their own form. You can't see what you what has an odor to it. You can't smell what only has a color. But you can stop avoiding that. And how do you do that? See that you avoid it. Need more help? Go look at the wall. Wall gaze. Look at the wall. Look at nothing occurring. And see all of that stuff that's occurring that just keeps tumbling and tumbling out of the seventh consciousness or rather, uh, it's reported that way. It's actually coming from the eighth. Cheryl Bowing. Yes. The first tenant you mentioned was consciousness always finds its own form. Is there a, an assumption that we have that's different than that that you're trying to address? <laughs> I'm not trying to address anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> but thank you for that. It's quite the compliment. <laughs> Brett Bowie. Yes, Brett. Um, can you can you elaborate a little bit on the difference between the seventh and the eighth consciousness? Uh, yes, the the seventh the eighth consciousness supplies, and the seventh consciousness. Uh, uh, assumes uh, and rejects and accepts, rejects and validates and invalidates and uh, and just generally uh, fills the place up full of crap. Whereas it's just a seventh is a, the eighth is just a supply house. It, it's just totally impersonal. And, you know, the other thing, Brett, is it's just this is a way of talking about it. We're just uh, Yogi Charan's uh, centuries ago said, well, let's see, consciousness looks like this. Maybe if we divide it up this way, let's see, well, breathing is here and smelling is there. Wait a minute, smelling and breathing are similar. Should we divide it up? No, let's not go that far. I'll tell you what, how about the first five and then the area that kind of thinks and then the area that's paranoid and then the area that uh, where, where nobody's there, but there's a whole lot of separations going on. And even that, completely misses misses uh, any kind of deep understanding will arise as it is and not as we think it is. It will arise as it is.
doing tree bowing? Yes. Another question from YouTube. Okay. Um, Semi in Portland. Well, how do you spell the name? S-E-M-I. Okay. Go ahead. Semi. If there is no end, why is it important to awaken? It's not. Do whatever you want to do. It's not important. That being said, you probably know where I'm going to go or maybe where you're already going is, this is difficult. Uh, the Buddha said, the first thing he said was, he's very kind of him to come out and, and he probably thought a little bit, should I go Should I go right for the tree trunk or not? Yeah, life is suffering. And of course, everybody piles on with Buddhism is nihilistic. And so it's not, it's it's just, he's just looking at what, what it's like to have a lot of nerve endings where you don't have any control over, uh, over whether they're, whether you're jumping in a pile of uh, thumbtacks or a pile of feathers, same nerve ending. So maybe you're already there way ahead of me. I'm saying because we suffer, we suffer in this apparent uh, realm that we're in this human realm of desire of wanting things to be different than they are. We suffer. It's difficult. So, but there's some kind of identity that is suffering that, that keep continues to struggle and thrash around in the pile of thumbtacks, trying to get out of it, trying to get out of it. And it's difficult. And some people are in a pile of feathers trying to get out of those. So if we train the mind to see what is fundamentally true, uh, things start to slow down. We are, we become less speedy and uh, less uh, grasping about what's happening and more in the area that I refer to as a, uh, Reception. Receive what's happening. Stop producing your struggle into the thumbtacks. To use a kind of a homely example, but it's like that. It's like we struggle. We even use the word as if there's some kind of validation for struggling. And so when I say doesn't come to an end, I'm saying uh, that's just a relative statement. Of course, it comes to an end. I mean, didn't they, I think the third noble truth is something about, you know, a bus stop or something. Oh, we're finally here. I think the Sanskrit for bus stop is Naroda. Isn't that true, Chisho? (laughs) Oh, just stop. Okay, just stop. That'd make a great, uh, it would make a great stop sign. Just stop. We could we could get some vinyl letters and go around and put white letters uh, on the red stop sign just a word above the word stop everywhere. So just stop doing that. <laughs> okay, enough dumb humor. More serious questions. If the five skandhas aren't in one of the six realms, is there suffering? No, the, the five skandhas can be anywhere they want to be. Five, five skandhas, uh, uh, form, feeling, perception, concept, or, or uh, memory and consciousness, however you want to. Uh, they're, they're running around, but, but they don't get together and hold hands. They don't form a self. They don't form uh, an, uh, a separate entity. So they still, they're, they're sometimes referred to as a self-existing. There's just perception. There's just thinking. But it doesn't. 
latch on to everything else to create some kind of person who can be harmed or a person who can get ahead or fall behind or become enlightened or continue to remain uh, deluded. Good question. There's a lot of room to go further in that if you would wish to do. In, in the line you brought up, life is suffering. What is the Buddha pointing at when he's mentioning life? Just, just simply put, just being being alive, being a living a living uh, an apparent entity, separated into the sense fields and so on. I'm not sure what is there some other inquiry or something else you're asking about. I was I'm wondering what what or where the mistaken identity is in relation to what we think is living. What do you think? You're pretty smart. What do you think? You asked a very confusing question. (laughs) You asked a very confusing question? Yes. So you want a confusing answer? I want a clear answer. (laughs) Okay, then ask a clear question and and we'll make a deal. Ask me a very, uh, take your question and paraphrase your question and give it to me on a shiny silver plate. Speak. <laughs> There's no prep time here. <laughs> is, is what looks like living a misunderstanding? Yes, it is. Thank you. Very good question. Yeah, yeah. find out. If you find out, then uh, as it's been said uh, before, the, the work is done. There's nothing left to do. There's nothing to, nothing to do. Uh, there isn't anything else. Unless you meet people who are suffering, and then you should help them without making things worse for them. Jishou. <laughs> How important is the Sangha identity in one's uh, spiritual practice, in one's own practice? So uh, I think that's going to show up different for, for everyone, especially in our situation. You know, in ancient times, and uh, it was a, everything was more, you know, the community was a more simple situation. People got together, they, they ate together, they practiced together. And so now our, our situation is such that... Uh, um, you know, I'm sure you've noticed sometimes some Sangha members you have a really close affinity or with or con- communication <clears throat> and other Sangha members who are equally de- devoted to the, the teacher that you're uh, studying under. Uh, just you just can't your communication is just uh, off. This is why it's so powerful, because uh, Sangha actually gives you a cross section uh, of, of everyone. It's, uh, you meet everyone in the Sangha. Sangha members are quite often people you would never be friends with. Because they don't support your particular bias, your trip, your interests, or or your uh, taste in uh, beverages. So I'm I'm being a little silly here, but I'm just saying you meet people in the sangha that are that still have the same connection with the truth that the Buddha taught, and with that particular presentation by that particular teacher. But your connection with them uh, is uh, could be more difficult, abrasive, or obstructive. Uh, but that's what's so good about it. That's why it's so powerful. 
And I, I know I spent uh, many, many years making myself stay in the Sangha that I did not particularly care for. It was very difficult, especially the first, well, I don't know, 30 years, maybe. Excuse me. Eventually, that just kind of faded off. But it was very difficult to, to be with people that you and, and work with that were um, seemed to be insane. And yet they're practicing meditation. They've done lots of solitary retreats. And uh, and you, you can't just no matter no matter how sincere you are. All that comes back to you is garbage. If you have not experienced this yet, then practice a while longer. Pardon me. I'm not saying everyone is going to experience that. I'm just saying if if it's a, a, a Dharma brother or a Dharma sister or a, a person, then, uh, then and relate to them as best you can. But you don't have to overdose on somebody. You don't have to. Oh, they're a Dharma brother. They're my, you know, so I have to talk to them. I'm like, no, you don't. Don't do it. Just be aware of what you're doing. There's no special thing to do other than what? What I say, train your mind. That may mean you'll talk to me once every six months. No right or wrong to it. That may mean you you rarely uh, study with the Sangha. That may mean I never see you on Zoom these days or, or in the monastery. So the, the right and wrong part is always extra. It's, everything is dependently arisen, including your opinions, your ideas, your judgments, your evaluations, your hopes and fears, on and on and on, are, are, have no solid uh, uh, perpetrator uh, or no solid uh, personality behind it. It's just um, coming all over the place, coming from every every single direction. So keep it simple. Come uh, set up a forum, train your mind, stay in touch with the teacher, uh, uh, stay in touch with the teaching by studying together, stay in touch with the Sangha by studying together, and just do that. And then whatever shows up, that's it, without any evaluation on top of it or uh, any, uh, well, this is an issue. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. It, it gets, uh, it's not that, that that you might not want to change and practice in a different way. Of course, maybe. Or maybe uh, work with Sangha in a different way. Maybe you should go into retreat for six months or three months or three days. Further question about that or anything? Uh, so is it then the forms that define a Sangha's characteristic or Sangha's identity? Well, I don't know if it, you'd call it defining. Maybe you could use that in some way, but I would say the form actually actually protects the chaos. It's like uh, uh, it's like uh, Chung Rinpoche named uh, the, the the center Karma Zong in uh, Boulder, which is action fortress. Is one interpretation of that. So the form is like a a protection from the complete chaos that uh, that is called civilization. I'm not saying civil, civilization isn't valuable or civilized. Of course, we're coming along pretty good, but there's very little mind training. You can meet people who are extremely intelligent, can explain can explain any any opinion you have and destroy it just by their logic. They're so smart. Uh, but if there's no mind training, it's still circular. Without the mind training, even the greatest politician or worst politician, without the mind training, and when I say mine, I don't mean M-I-N-E. I'm saying train the mind to what? See clearly. 
not think clearly. That's uh, that comes with the whole territory. The mind training is being able to understand the thought process, uh, the way in which it manifests as structures within the vastness of consciousness and sometimes shows up as a person, sometimes shows up as a whole philosophy or a teaching or uh, awakened truth. Very simple thing, very gigantic, expansive, vast and uh, unmeasurable situation that has a uh, an appearance. Rusheen, Rusheen. What does taking refuge mean? So, to take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha is to take refuge in the Buddha as the example of someone who was uh, not insane. Uh, in other words, was no longer at war with anything. The very nature of insanity is just to fight with things. Don't fight with anything. They're your worst uh, dragon, your worst uh, uh, tiger. Uh, Whatever that may, don't fight with it. I mean, you may have to work with it in a way that uh, is different than that. If it's a lot of negative energy or energy that's going to kill you or threaten you, but take refuge in that as the example, and then uh, and that example won't show up as something you should ne necessarily follow. Uh, maybe a little bit, but not necessarily. It may take that that example to tell you how to live your life in a sincere uplifted and genuine way by not no longer fighting with your apparent neurosis refuge in the teaching is to uh understand the teaching you're 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 in a sense you're taking refuge you're somewhat socially distancing yourself from civilization or the western world or the western way of thinking at least a little bit in your case you have three children and a husband and and a full-time job and uh, so it's going to be different for you that's what i was saying earlier about sangha sangha is going to show up not as some kind of patterning that is acceptable or unacceptable. It's going to show up in a in a, a new radical kind of way where we, we need to work with it as we are, not trying to make somebody live up to being a, a practitioner this way or that way or this way or that. You have to do this, you have to do that. So refuge in the, in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma is, is uh, seeing that everything is dependently arisen, beginning to understand that, that uh, this... Uh, the basic teachings, the provisional teachings of the Buddha, seeing that there's something uh, extremely insightful and intelligent about um, uh, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links are, are you know, if you go through those uh, uh, three or four hundred times, uh, which I have not, I just tell people to do that, um, you begin to see that things are have a, a connectedness that can be seen literally, and then a unity that, that uh, is not literal. Uh, so, and it's the same time. It's, it's the same and different. It's, it's uh, this and that at the same time. And then the last one is the, is the Sangha refuge. Um, your, your spiritual uh, companions, Akalyanamitra, are not only the teaching person who is part of Sangha, but also uh, your Sangha brothers and sisters and, and uh, whatever. Whatever kind of dynamic shows that that that's your your new family. Not that you disown your biological family or or your society in your um, you know your um, the city commission or anything like that. You might even be a, a commissioner in the city. I mean, you could still do all of that interaction politically and socially, but there there needs seems to be necessary to have a primary uh, relationship with the mind that can be supported by this particular 
structure of, of teacher teaching and uh, community. And so you, what you're doing is you're 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 receiving, observing a vow to to do that. And then everyone, however one does that, is going to be a little different. Some people uh, some people are all in uh, and eventually become or, ordained, fully ordained monks. And some people uh, just do it a little at a time. The right and wrong is extra, not necessary. Especially in our society, which is so uh, extremely complicated, and and the communication levels are. Uh, well, I don't need to say more. It's, they're changing all the time. The technology, eventually you'll just think something and somebody will know what you're thinking because you'll be, uh, they'll be, uh, you know, you'll just automatically download what you're thinking to them and they'll receive it. And pretty soon we won't even need bodies anymore. Well, you guys already know that's coming. So. Go ahead, Regine. It's taking refuge in action, bowing. Yeah. Uh, you're doing something. You're. I mean, it could. It's going to show up different with different people. Sometimes people meet meet the Buddha's Dharma in a in a book. Sometimes meet it in a person. Uh, meet it in, you know, lots of different dynamics through another person, through another connection. And then you would say, I want to. I want to be part of this. I, I, I want to emphasize it. I call it glue. So if you do it formally, then it's like you're. You want to make a, a commitment or a promise or however you want to say it, a vow to do this. The, the, the refuge vow is about yourself and your practice, and the bodhisattva vow is uh, about uh, make, putting others before yourself, which is very hard. Most of the time spent there is seeing how you can't quite do that. How you, how it shows you how narcissistic you are because you're always thinking about yourself. So if you receive the bodhisattva vow, then to actually observe that vow is to notice how you can't, you can't kind of shake loose the, the self-aggrandizement that seems to happen with every thought that arises. More? John Bowing? Yes, John. Um, how do I work with, um, say, a Sangha situation where um, I'm accepting the situation, but I don't feel that I'm fully receiving the situation? That's just, aware That's just awareness. There's nothing to correct there. Nothing to change. Just notice that you that you're using two different concepts about the same thing, and it's just about awareness. So you don't have to abandon that for some better solution or better. Uh, there's no there's there's nothing around the corner. Further question is good if you have it. My concept or the concept of accepting is that I'm adding on my own ego of, well, that really annoys me, but I'll just accept it. Uh, that way I won't be annoyed anymore. So then I'm receiving. <laughs> well, I, I can go back to what you've heard me say many times. I say, don't accept, don't reject, and don't ignore. So uh, accepting is a, is a, is a highly uh, uh, sophisticated form of passion. And uh, rejection is a, is a more uh, subtle form of aggression. Uh, three poisons. So don't do anything with it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Uh, don't, don't do anything. Don't ignore it. So you might find if the energy moves towards you, you might, you might need to receive that. In other words, don't slam the door on it, which would be. And also don't encourage it to keep coming. 
if it moves three inches uh, towards you and it stops, then don't necessarily, or if you do, rise to some kind of idea about uh, why is it stopping? Doesn't it like me? Those kinds of things happen. So just watch what moves. The merry-go-round is none of your business, but you can't stop looking. You have to watch the movement, the circular movement of everything. But if you if you attach by grasping or rejecting, as you've heard me say many times, I don't know if I can get my arm to do this, but it's not about it's not about letting go. It's not about letting go. It's about seeing the way you hang on, because that's that's the key to any kind of uh, deep uh, consciousness work is to see the claws that you have dug into something rather than trying to pull yourself away from it. Because you may be successful, but what you're doing is you're pulling yourself away from the concept about it. And the actual attachment is still um, three or four feet underground and it's uh, where it's buried. So it's necessary to uh, to not necessarily come to conclusions about things, nor necessarily settle for a conceptual idea of how attached you are or congratulate or how detached you are. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, that used to really bother me, but I just, I just let go of that. Well, yeah, well, 30 years is coming back because if you let go of it conceptually, it might, it might work for a while. It's like a palliative, but it doesn't deal with the fundamental situation, which there is, there is no one that is grasping anything. The grasping may go on. This is why it's so difficult because the, the, the grasping your difficulty, your negative emotions, your whatever may, may continue. If you keep continue to try to get, get rid of stuff, all it does is reify someone getting rid of stuff or someone failing or succeeding or whatever. It just builds the self-centeredness. This is why it's necessary to look at the thing itself, the grasping itself, the rejecting itself and the ignoring itself and see that there's no one doing that. The stuff is still going to be there. You can't just think of emptiness and get rid of banana peels. Any further questions? Junchu Bowie. Junchu. Akaran has a question. Okay. Where is meditation included in the three jewels? And what are the other tenets of the order of immediate light? So the other tenets are secret. Well, they're, what's that fancy? We're self-secret. Uh, I recommend you contemplate, uh, and I'm going to publish those. I mean, they're going to be, they're already out there. We already read them. Uh, I've worked on those for a few years to make them as obscure as possible. And uh, consciousness always finds its own form. And the next one uh, is available, but you could, you could contemplate the first one for a while. And then we can go into the second and third. And as far as uh, awareness practice, it's just uh, the teaching of the Buddha about train your mind, try to see what this is. This is what the Buddha did. He sat down and looked. So it's an awareness practice. So it's it's everywhere. It's in it's in the sangha. Those who are training their minds in different ways. It's in the it's in the teaching. Train your mind. Sit down. Look. See what this is. Uh, there's uh, all different forms. There's the uh, creation completion uh, practices uh, in the uh, different traditions, the Tibetan traditions and lineages. Excuse me. And there are uh, more radical or simple forms that started, you know, 2,500 years ago. Uh, far, far as we know, the Buddha just sat down and looked at it. I think he had a glass of milk first. So it was a very simple situation, but very radical, a very minimalist. 
in order to see what what is what is this fundamentally. You get to do that yourself. This is not a belief system, so there, some of that may show up, but it's basically it's about uh, um, Buddha Dharma, uh, awakened truth, Dharma truth, awake awake to the truth of yourself, and contemplate the first uh, tenet for a while. A question from Nathaniel in Oregon. Nathaniel in Oregon. Go ahead, Nathaniel. Is there anything to be done when consciousness streams result in bewilderment and delusions? What happens when those drive actions and communication with those around us? Well, they propagate and they, they split off and they divide and, and conquer or they divide and fail. Uh, so the important thing to do, uh, as I, since you're asking me, then my response would be train your mind. Hold, sit down, unless you're speaking about someone else. But if you're speaking about your own mind stream, then sit down and look at the mind stream. Uh, use uh, whatever teachings uh, seem to resonate with you, whether this person or someone else. But the important thing is to sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of the mind, because that will show you, not right away, maybe not the first month, three months, six months, might take years for you to actually, so you, but you have to want to know that. If you just want to settle for some belief system, some idea, some explanation, uh, then that's circular. Not wrong, just circle. Circle is not incorrect and a straight line is correct. The straight line is uh, just a way of talking about something where nothing happens. So sit and watch the circularity, which you can use that as a delusion. Uh, new moon, full moon, new moon, full moon, new moon comes up and goes down. Comes, you know, it's breathing. Everything is breathing until it doesn't breathe. So just observe it. Do it with your observation. Keep the. You don't have to listen to me. You don't have to be a student of mine. But I'm, my recommendation, since you give me permission to tell you, less is better. Sit down, hold still, hold very still without being rigid. Watch what moves. And whatever is moving, uh, insofar as you can, don't add to it. No production. And if you do produce, then just watch the production without adding anything to the production. Like, that's wrong, that's right, that should be, that shouldn't be. Takes a while. We can dedicate the merit according to this person. You can do it at the monastery if you would please. And I'll try to get one of my hands arms to work here.
Directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sukukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 